Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Greta Johnson. I'm Trisha Bobita. And this is the Nerdette Podcast. This week, we'll hear from comedian and frequent Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me panelist Brian Babylon about his favorite Star Trek movie. And we'll listen in as Megan Murphy-Gill's stepmother tries to convince her to start watching Game of Thrones. Plus some America-themed homework ahead of 4th of July. But first, an interview with Chris Cluey. He's a punter for the Oakland Raiders. If you're thinking, but why on my Nerdette podcast am I listening to an interview with a professional football dude, then let us help you get to know Chris Cluey a little better. Cluey made waves last year when he wrote a letter to the sports news site Deadspin, calling out a homophobic state lawmaker. Right, so the gist of this story is... Last year, Baltimore Ravens linebacker Brendan Iandabajo expressed support for same-sex marriage in Maryland. Then Maryland state lawmaker Emmett C. Burns Jr. wrote to the owner of the Ravens. He tried to get the Ravens to muzzle Iandabajo's support for marriage equality because, you know, he thinks the NFL is one of America's last bastions for homophobia. And that's when Chris Cluey wrote his open letter to the lawmaker in Deadspin. Here's a little taste of that letter. Your vitriolic hatred and bigotry make me ashamed and disgusted to think that you are in any way responsible for shaping policy at any level. The views you espouse neglect to consider several fundamental key points, which I will outline in great detail. You may want to hire an intern to help you with the longer words. Cluey also invented some pretty great new swear words in that letter. Because the existing bunch just didn't express his disgust with the lawmaker enough. The letter springboarded Cluey as the straight ally for LGBTQ rights. The married father of two was on the cover of Out magazine in May. And he was grand marshal of the Pride Parade in Minneapolis last weekend. He said he's celebrating the death of Doma and the Prop 8 ruling from the Supreme Court last week. But wishes the justices had made a decision that went even farther in extending gay marriage rights. And Cluey prides himself in breaking other stereotypes about professional athletes, too. He's a self-proclaimed nerd. He's got credentials that include being a bit of a violin prodigy as a kid. And a lifelong gamer. So we asked the NFL player and author of the new book, Beautifully Unique Sparkle Ponies, to nerd out with us. Beautifully Unique Sparkle Ponies is, uh, you know, kind of a shout out to the original letter I wrote that, that went viral. Figured Barnes & Noble wouldn't stock lustful sea monsters on their, <laughs> <laughs> on their bookshelves. So uh, I decided to go with Beautifully Unique Sparkle Ponies instead, which came from the censored version. Speaking of cock monster, I was wondering about your proclivity for making new words. <laughs> I, I, I really do love making up inventive new swear words. It's, a, it's kind of a lost art. So, yeah, tell me about sports balling. What does that mean? I actually got that from a friend um, who doesn't really know a lot about sports. It's it's kind of the idea that, you know, people who generally don't watch a lot of sports don't really care that much about the proper terms and terminology. And to them, it's just all one big lump. <laughs> so what what better way to encompass that than sports ball? That's beautiful. I'm going to start using that. I do have no, friends who s- ask if it's intermission of the game. So that yeah. happens. <laughs> Here how, we are. How, how was your audition today? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
So another thing I thought was really interesting, even just in the first couple pages of your book, you mention both Marshall Mathers and Kurt Vonnegut, who are, you know, mm. kind of differing pop <laughs> influences. But I was curious about their particular influence on you and your work. The Eminem part was more kind of the, uh, you know, I've got to travel my own. Uh, I actually had the lyrics in there originally, but they're like, no, that'll probably be copyright issues. So <laughs> just the line he, he says in uh, Eight Mile Road, where, you know, it's time for me to, to strike out on my own. That was kind of a reference to, I love Vonnegut's work. I love a, a lot of other authors' work, but, you know, at some point I got to, you know, I got to write my own stuff. And so, you know, you can see their influences in there, but hopefully this is all in, in my voice. And it took some convincing to get you to do this book, right? Yeah, yeah, it did. It was uh, originally I had um, you know three or four publishers come up and say you should write a book, and I was like, well, no, I'm busy playing football. Maybe when I'm done. And then another three or four publishers said you should write a book. And at that point, I was like, well, that's you know seven or eight publishers. These are the people in charge of writing books. Um, that would be like if seven or eight NFL teams said you should be playing football. So right. <laughs> kind of a no-brainer at that point. So where does your nerdiness come from? I have been a nerd pretty much my entire life. I started reading at the age of, I think it was either like three or four, and uh, I've always loved reading, uh, mainly sci-fi and fantasy. I'm a huge sci-fi fantasy fan. I started playing Nintendo at the age of six or seven, I want to say. I've been playing video games my entire life. Essentially, sports is what my parents made me do so I would go outside, because <laughs> otherwise... <laughs> Otherwise, I would just be sitting on the couch either reading or playing video games. And um, it turned out I was pretty good at sports. And now I can use football to fund all my nerdy hobbies, which is amazing. That's beautiful. Man, maybe I should nope. start playing football. Might, <laughs> might be a little late it's for awesome. you, Greta. <laughs> Carmen Sandiego is in your Twitter bio. Are you a gumshoe? Was that one of your games as a kid? Yeah, I actually did play uh, Where in the World was Carmen Sandiego as a kid. And, um, you know, I, I never really cared that much about figuring it out. Me and a, me and a friend would play it. And we had no idea, you know, what you were supposed to do so we just guess <laughs> and occasionally you'd get the right city and we're like this is amazing we're so smart and <laughs> yeah so when I saw on the Twitter profile you know it says where in the world are you I was like well obviously with Carmen San Diego I mean is there any other answer to that question <laughs> that's awesome yeah the answers to questions were always some country you'd never heard of mm -hmm. and so you went well it's one of these three things I don't know as a nine-year-old so yeah. Uzbekistan sure sure there well, sure <laughs> So do you think being a nerd is cool now? Uh, yeah, I think it's cool and it's more mainstream because kids now are growing up and there's a an Xbox 360 in the household or you know they see shows like The Big Bang Theory or they listen to the Nerdist podcast. The image of the basement-dwelling video gamer, while that is still a thing, it's not quite nearly the case so much these days. And even just sort of the geek chic, everything rotates through and so suddenly the glasses and the pocket protectors are in the place where high schoolers go to buy their cool kid clothes. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta have those tape-wrapped glasses. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and that whole idea of, like, I have contact lenses, but now I'm going to get glasses with clear lenses mm. just so that I look super hip. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, why don't you just wear your glasses? You know? <laughs> well, I mean, in my case, the problem with my glasses is that they ag magnify my eyes differently, so one eye is bigger. Mm. So it's, it's, oh, okay. like, super cute. That's, that's legit <laughs> so, nerd right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, so, so you're, like, the smallo dot Go emoticon. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's my life. Tell us about the sci-fi trilogy you're writing. Ooh, so yeah, that one's going to be awesome. So I'm a huge fan of, like I said, huge fan of science fiction and fantasy and uh, been working on this trilogy with a friend. We actually just started it uh, last year and it came from, we're both really, really into watching those really terrible sci-fi movies, you know, like Megashark versus Giant Piranha and yeah. just the complete awfulness that they are. <laughs> and so one day, 
we were looking at a new release and it was Sharknado. And it's like, <laughs> sharks in a tornado? Sure. No. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, so we're looking at this and we're like, how hard can it actually be to write something like that? Like, it can't be that hard. I mean, it's, sharks in a tornado. It, it writes itself. So we started throwing <laughs> ideas back and forth. And we came up with, well, what haven't they done yet? Um, shark and a bird. Okay, so let's do a shark and a bird. And so we started thinking up a universe that this would logically fit into. And, and after about 25 minutes, we looked at each other and we said, wait a minute, we've come up with this really amazing universe. Why are we going to waste it on a stupid Siffy movie? <laughs> and, 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 and at that point, we're like, we should do like an actual book about this, like an actual science fiction cool book. And so we, we storyboarded the first one. We, we know exactly how it's going to go. Um, I've actually already written the first one. We're, we're going through our second pass right now. Um, the goal is to get up to about 105,000 words. We're at about 93,000 at the moment, uh, halfway through on the second pass. We know where the second and third books are going. We actually just started storyboarding the second book. And uh, my description of it is that ideally it starts out as Crichton with, you know, kind of Jurassic Parky, the personal element, yeah, and then expands sure. out into Ian Banks, where you've got the entire universal element. Cool. Nice. Yeah. How do you have time for this? Um, I'm fortunate that I'm able to write very quickly. It's uh, <laughs> my my literary agent. When I was submitting pieces to him for um for Sparkle Ponies, he was like, I have never seen anyone write that fast before. At humble brag. So, <laughs> <it's>, uh, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, it's just I've read so many books and I know what a sentence is supposed to look like. Really, it's just a matter of getting the ideas down onto the paper, and you know, it's it's a lot easier to do when you can write very very quickly. As the last question, we were wondering what you've been nerding out about lately. Nerding out lately, uh, mainly Monster Hunter 3 on the 3DS, just because I've been doing a lot of traveling and that helps me pass the time in uh, in airports. I want to say I have about 238 hours into the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no big deal. Humble it's, brag. Uh, you know, I, yeah, humble brag. I'm, I'm on the, you know, seven-star ranked uh, marina quests. It's uh, all, all been done solo, you know, made my way through by my own. Got up, upgraded, fully upgraded Bractios uh, dual blades and um, Azure Rathalos plus armor. So, nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Thanks to Chris Cluey. Best of luck to him in finishing that first sci-fi book. And in his upcoming season of The Sports Balls. Pick up a copy of Beautifully Unique Sparkle Ponies, guys. Megan Murphy-Gill is a friend of Nerdette. She took her recorder on a trip to visit her family recently so she could share a sampling of how her stepmother coerced her into finally watching Game of Thrones. My stepmom is probably the most enthusiastic person I know. I love her. She has a very thick Greek accent. When she expresses herself, it's always very clear, very pure. It's either this way or it's that way. And there's really nothing in between. Oh, yeah. Like unapologetically loves what she loves. That to me is sort of the nerding as a verb. Unapologetic, I think, is a great way to describe her. So when did you first find out that she was really getting into Game of Thrones? Well, last Christmas I was visiting my parents and she made some kind of reference to the throne of games. (laughs) (laughs) Which I was like, I think she means Game of Thrones. And not really, wasn't really familiar with Game of Thrones at that point. My husband, Andrew, said that... He was really looking forward to when we went to visit them again this summer because he would get to watch it with her. But then the season ended like the week before we went. Oh, no. Yeah, and he was super disappointed because, of course, she's the kind of person you'd want to watch a show with if she, you know, she really likes it. So, yeah, Yeah. while she's talking to you about these things, I'm imagining her gesturing wildly. Oh, yeah, she does. And you can kind of hear her. 
kind of move away from the mic like this because she like leans back in her chair <laughs> and she's going like this with her shaking her hands making big gestures and one thing I feared when Andrew wanted to record this is that it sounded like I was making fun of her because the truth is I do make fun of her a lot <laughs> but I do it to her face it's like this rapport we've had I've known her since I was I guess like I think I was seven or eight, and we've constantly had this kind of back and forth where she mispronounces things, and I make fun of her for mispronouncing it, only when I do it to her face. And oh, so right. when I recorded her, I just was like, oh my gosh, you are so enthusiastic about this. I just need to make sure that somebody can hear this. And honestly, I feel <clears throat> like I just want to like play this for everyone I know who I want to watch Game of Thrones right. who hasn't yet, because she's really good at explaining it. Yeah. This is who convinced me. Just her sheer enthusiasm. Megan, you love to read. You love mysteries. Even if you don't like to watch or read the books, you will be so fascinating the way the twist and the turns. And you think you realize, you oh, I know what is going to happen. Oh, hell no. Ain't happening. And it's going to keep you forever guessing. And you're always, you have to go back because when you go back and you read it and you read it again, I say, oh, that is in there. They mention in that, but the way they mention it, it has a lot of tricks. The story is not a dull story. Every season that adds, it keeps you like, oh, no, you left it like that? Are you for real? I have to wait six more months to watch this? It's really good. Yes, so the most recent season that just ended... How did you prepare? When the season ends and they tell me comes back on March, I keep HBO for that particular stupid reason to watch Games of Thrones. Can you believe the crap? Believe it. So when it comes up, I go to my calendar and they say March. It was March 13, actually. Games of Thrones. I got up out of my couch. I put it on the calendar and I watched it. That day, I watched the whole nine yards until the new thing came on and it was like, oh my God. Really? Because ended to see us who was the king of the north behind the wall. And it was like, shit, who is he? Who is the king of the north? Because I, I have no idea who the king of the north is. Robert Stark, the king of the north, the gulf, the young gulf. But guess what? The young gulf got killed. So now that you've revealed that to me, I mean. Oh, trust me. Oh, no. I reveal nothing to you. No spoilers. I mean. No spoilers. That's not actually going to spoil it for me. No, ma'am. There is more to come. There is more Starks and more Lancasters and Khaleesi, the dragon lady. Oh, my Lord. That is a gift. That is something that is coming, and they don't know even the King's Lancasters and the Seven Kingdoms. They don't know what is going to hit them. They're going to be, holy shit. If you want to catch it up, actually, you can go on HBO to go and you can watch the whole nine yards from the beginning of the season until now. HBO to go. And guess what? You have the phone. Hey, love. I can watch it on my own phone. How many episodes have you watched in a row? What is the longest amount of time you've spent watching Game of Thrones? I'm just watching the whole nine years, taking my behind on the couch, turn the TV on, and I'm watching it until the new season comes so I can see what happens to refresh my memory and everything. And every Sunday, I make sure it's recorded in case I have to go to work because, you know, you never know. Record. And I'll be watching it and again and again and again and again. And every time I watch, you learn something new because you miss something when you're watching it because you're so excited to what's going on and everything. And you don't pay attention to the words and to the characters. And it, actually, I'll tell you an example. Uh, the little girl, the Stark, the, um, 
Arian her name? He sent the name Aria Vocalarius or something like that. And the Khaleesi, one of the soldiers that become with Khaleesi, very good buddies, when he said that work, I went back to the episode. I told you that. Find that episode. I want to see if it's the same word. And guess what? Voila! Yes, yes, yes. So it's a mystery with that word and what is going to come up with it. It's a big mystery there. Yes, ma'am. I tell you, Megan, even if you don't like watching it, you love to read. Take the book and read it. At the night, with your light, that make you blind, you wear your glasses, read the book. Who would you say are the best characters? Oh, my God. Who's at least your favorite? I love the Starks. I love the Starks. And then it's Khaleesi. I want to see what is going to happen there. Explain to me who Khaleesi is. Khaleesi, in actuality, she is the queen of the Seven Kingdoms. But they got all... It's a story behind her family and everything, but how she overcomes everything and she realizes who she is and becomes the dragon and how she fights about what she believes and she stands. It is amazing. And what her brother put her through, that little shit. Can you tell me what he put her through without spoiling anything for me? Or, well, let me tell you, since you love women so much, he sold her. So he can get the kingdom and he become a king. He sold his own sister. So when you say I love women, you're, you're saying I'm a feminist. Yes, love. Yes. <laughs> okay. So you're going to freak on that. You're going to say, but put your views to the side and watch the movie. And also, if you see how they film when they saw in Ireland and up in Iceland, I think they went also, because that's where the wall is. That's the they have some nice. They did some nice. Food. So really nice, like scenery. Yes. Okay. Are there dragons in Game of Thrones? Because that might that might convince me. Yes, they are dragons. Can you explain the wall to me? To my understanding, now my conception is where they built that wall to keep other people coming in, plus the dead people and the white army. Now, what, how that story goes in there, that is a little bit tricky because there are normal people behind the wall and they want to come inside the wall to protect themselves from the dead men and the white people that they are marching. How do they call them? White, white, walkers. white walkers. Because that's the threat. The real threat to the realm is these people. What does winter's coming mean? That they are coming. The army is rising. They're going to come over the wall. The night is gathering, master, and they are coming for all of us. I guess the winter has something to do with them, keeping them, I guess, alive or however, because it's so damn cold, because the summer is so hot. I don't know about them say and nobody killed nobody for how many centuries and Sam killed them. Now we know how they can get killed, but it has to do with dragon and dragon glass. And here again Khaleesi and the dragon. This is all very confusing to me. It sounds to me like I just need to watch. You need to sit down, watch the whole nine yards until to the point next March. So I have basically until next spring to watch what three seasons? All right, I'll let you know. Okay. And you better call me to tell me in case I miss. Megan said the reason her stepmother was so adamant that she at least read the Game of Thrones books is that she was, and still is, the bookworm of her family. So we asked her for a recommendation of what we should add to our summer reading list. 
The book that I think people should be reading is called Feed by M.T. Anderson. It's a young adult book. Uh, M.T. Anderson is a master of prose. He's a master of language. He wrote it in 2002. I think it was published in 2003. And it's so prescient I can't even like reading it is kind of like eerie like I get like tingles when I would read it it's written in the future and humans have like basically a chip lodged in their brain when they're really young so they're connected to the feed and you basically see the internet kind of in your mind and you can like stop and chat with people kind of in your head so the idea is that kids actually don't know how to write and they don't really know how to like read or type so everything is like just done in their brain they sleep with like the feed in their head and something kind of goes amiss with this one character and the feed and I won't tell you what happens or where it goes but it's really good they go to the moon there's great slang that it feels kind of familiar but it's just like off enough and it's so funny anyway highly recommend feed I think I'm going to make Feed my next bus book, since I just finished reading American Savage. Oh, Dan Savage's new book. Yep, for those of you who don't know Dan's work, he's kind of America's spokesgay. He has an advice column and a podcast called Savage Love. He's also done some great pieces for This American Life and founded the It Gets Better campaign. So it was fun reading American Savage on the train in Chicago, because when people see you reading it, they give you a little nod of acknowledgement sometimes. Do you think people who see you with it assume you're a comrade for gay rights? That or a fellow disgruntled Catholic, and I'm cool with either assumption. But you people who are reading on your eye things and your Kindles, I don't know whether I can nod at you or not. Yeah, one of my favorite things is to judge people based on what they're reading in public. But this tablet craze is a serious problem. I love those moments on the train when you're like, oh, that cute boy is reading a book that I like, which makes him even cuter. Right? Or when you have one of those moments of nerd connection out in public. Like this one time this guy and girl were smiling at me too much for public transportation. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, that can be problematic. And then the girl finally said, we like your TARDIS necklace. And I was so relieved. And then I noticed she was wearing TARDIS mittens. And then we were friends. And so then we nerded out about Doctor Who until they got off a few stops later. So let us know if reading Feed gets you any nods on the train. And we want to hear your summer reading list, too. So part of your homework this week is to call 312-600-5638 to tell us what should be on our summer reading list. And your homework from me this week is to read The Girls of Atomic City, the untold story of the women who helped win World War II. This is a beautifully written historical nonfiction book by Denise Kiernan. It's the story of some women who lived in a secret government-run city in Tennessee and, without knowing what their assembly lines spit out at the end, helped build the first atomic bombs. We've posted a link to the book and to the author's interview on The Daily Show, which first inspired me to pick up a copy, at nerdatpodcast.com. Do you get book recommendations from places other than The Daily Show, Trisha? Yeah, from you. (laughs) And from awesome people who call us at 312-600-5638. Now it's time for a new segment we're calling... Talk nerdy to me. When we ask someone who you might not know is a nerd to expose their nerdly ways. Brian Babylon is a stand-up comedian. He's also a frequent panelist on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. And host of Vocalo's Morning Amp in Chicago. He has a lot of feelings about Star Trek. I'm a bad boy. I'm from the streets. Got a little thug in me. Your parents both have master's degrees. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I cover up my nerd stuff. With just clothes and earrings and, you know, jive walk. But I can probably go toe-to-toe with Star Trek knowledge. Really? Very good at that. I checked out on Deep Space Nine. I was out of protest because I felt like, oh, the brother had to have a space station. The brother couldn't fly around like the other people. Racist. 
whatever. But I'll go old school Star Trek with you. I'll go Next Generation with you. I'll go all the movies. Like, I broke down and, and told people about uh, Star Trek for The Voyage Home. That was the movie where after Spock had died, he got resurrected, and he was on their way back home, come to find out that this probe had came to Earth and was cutting up, looking for humpback whales. Continue transmitting universal peace and hello in all known languages. Get me Starfleet Command. Ready, Captain. And what do we do as crappy humans? We killed them all in our ways. So what did Jim and the crew do? They have to time travel. Now wait just a damn Spock, minute. start your computations for time warp. In a Kleon ship, no less. It's not easy. They slingshot around the sun. May fortune favor the foolish. Warp speed, Mr. Zulu. Went back to the mid-late 80s, okay? San Francisco, that's where they went. They found two humpback whales. Scotty fashioned the hull of the Klingon warbird. They energized two humpbacks, brought them back to the future, dropped them into the ocean. The probe talked to the humpbacks, and it went away. When I went home after seeing that movie, I was like, that's kind of bogus. Because those whales have no one to hang out with. They better like each other, yeah. They better like each other, because that's it. There's no more whales in this future, so you are the only whales left. So out of the whole ocean, just imagine, it was only one human left. And James Kirk did that to you. Like, I, I get you want to save the world, man, but where the hell are the rest of the whales at? It was a good time to be a Star Trek fan. Was it a good time to be a humpback whale? In the late 90s, yeah, but not so much now. That's it for today. Thanks to Brian Babylon, who you can catch doing stand-up all around Chicago and hosting the Moth Story Slam the last Tuesday of every month. Many thanks again to Chris Cluey for talking with us. You're really going to dig his new book, Beautifully Unique Sparkle Ponies. And thanks to Megan Murphy-Gill and her stepmother, Maria. We'll be calling Maria for some episode recaps when Game of Thrones comes back on the air. Oh, definitely. I need no other recap blogs if I have Maria. Right? Also, thanks to our intern, Claire, who we need to congratulate on her promotion to Deputy Director of Animal Control. Thanks for listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or iTunes. Throw us a few stars if you're feeling good-hearted. DJ Lederman did not compose our theme, but we're going to keep throwing pennies into that fountain. This is Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Tan Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.